Hey everyone, this is Krista Bontrager, and I want to thank you for watching today. And I've just been doing a series of very brief uh, thoughts, reflections, if you will, on issues related to biblical manhood, biblical womanhood, as it's often referred to in Christian circles. Um, it could also be questions related to gender issues and even women in ministry issues. This isn't an organized teaching series. This is more like just snippets of my own thoughts on a variety of topics related to these questions. And one question that I've reflected quite a lot about is, why did Jesus choose 12 male disciples? Like, why 12 males? Is there any significance in that? And many people will point to that and to say, you know, see, Jesus uh, started his church with 12 men, and so men have priority over women as disciples and as leaders. But I'm not totally convinced that that's actually Jesus's point. I think that's probably an, an inference that we read into the text based on a prior assumption, but I think that there's some other evidence to consider as well. And I am struck by how many times uh, the disciples are portrayed in the Gospels as being somewhat obtuse. Uh, they're not getting it. Uh, the people who understand who Jesus is and why he's come and what he's about as the Messiah are often the social outcasts. They're the, the lepers. They are the poor. They are the prostitutes. Uh, they are women. Um, the disciples, who are all men, are often portrayed as you're still not quite getting it. You know, how long will I walk with you and labor with you in, in your weak faith? And uh, sick women more than once are pointed out as having great faith. Uh, Gentiles are pointed out as having great faith. Uh, the marginalized, the people who were rejected by the religious establishment. And I think that there is some evidence that maybe what Jesus is doing with the 12 men is he's saying, look, yeah, in the past, this was how uh, God built his people. But now I'm not only expanding my kingdom program to include Gentiles, I'm also showing you that I want to include the marginalized and women as full members into God's covenant community. Um, under the old covenant, these uh some people didn't even have access to worship in the temple uh, because they were so unclean. And they had to go, others had to go through uh, very rigorous purity rituals. But now Jesus comes and he says, everybody comes to me the same way. Men, women, sick, poor, rich, Jew, Gentile, they all have to come to Jesus the same way. And they all worship him the same way. And I find it fascinating that in the midst of all of these um, little vignettes that we see of the 12 disciples, we also see women emerging as disciples as well. And uh, just this one snippet here of this incident in Luke chapter 10 between Jesus and Martha. It says, now as they went on their way, they meaning Jesus and his and the twelve, his disciples, entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he said. 
But Martha was distracted with all the preparations she had to make. So she came up to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the best part and it will not be taken away from her. Now, much ado is made in this passage about Martha's busyness and her worrisome way of being in taking care of the house and preparing the food. I actually think this completely misses the point of what Jesus is trying to say here. This euphemism of being at the Lord's feet, I think, is the key, because that is a euphemism for what disciples do to their rabbis. They sit at their feet and listen to them teach. Often the picture that's preached is that well, what Mary's doing, she's just resting with the Lord. and She's just enjoying and basking in his presence. And so that's what we should do. But really what this is saying is Mary is acting like a male disciple of a rabbi. She's learning from me. She's sitting at my feet. And she is engaged in a process that would typically be done by men. And Martha is engaging Jesus in a way that would typically be done by women through domestic duties. And essentially what Martha is asking Jesus to do is tell Mary her place and make her start doing womanly things. Make her start uh, taking care of the house and helping with the food preparations for company. That's what women do. And what Jesus is essentially doing here is redefining the tasks that there's no women tasks, there's no men tasks, there's just be a disciple. And that is a noble thing. And he doesn't shame Martha by saying, you know, you really shouldn't be doing these domestic duties. But what he does want her to understand is proper priorities, that there is not just one way of relating to Jesus as a typical woman doing domestic duties. Rather, it's actually more noble for women to learn from Jesus just as the male disciples traditionally had done. And I think that the point of this passage is to invite women into being full disciples of Jesus and that Jesus is slowly overturning the cultural paradigm, the cultural patriarchy, if you will, and, and uh, upsetting a lot of cultural norms by saying that uh it is noble for women to be disciples. And in fact, we have a few other vignettes of this. Um, I love the passage in John chapter 4, where the Samaritan woman runs back to her village, and basically she becomes the first evangelist, telling people, telling her friends, family, and neighbors about her encounter with the Jewish Messiah. Jesus doesn't say, hey, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, that's a man's job is to be an evangelist and, and to share their faith. No, women... Uh, she is looked upon as being noble, even in church history, she is looked upon as being very noble in the ancient church for being the first evangelist to the Samaritan people. Um, another great little snippet is that Mary Magdalene and the other women at the tomb were really the first to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus. And again, there's full inclusion of women into the proclamation of the, the message of Jesus in the kingdom of God. We see women present on Pentecost 
and the upper room as part of the 120. There's even more inclusion there. The disciples are starting to get the picture that women are included. And then by the time we get to the missionary journeys of Paul, we see these, these scattering of names of women who were part of the ministry. So I actually think that when we think about women, um, we need to go beyond just the question of why were all the 12 disciples only men, and rather look at the broader strokes of the Gospels and Acts and even into the epistles of how Jesus slowly begins to overturn the constructs of the Jewish system in making it a male-dominated system into making it a more uh, female and women-inclusive system to become full partners in the gospel, to become full disciples and true learners. So if you have a daughter who's really like a thinker and she likes to ask the tough questions and she's very analytical about the Bible and philosophy, encourage that and show her this story about Mary, that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and was a disciple, just like the other men. That's something, a role model that she can look up to, to look at women like Mary Magdalene or the Samaritan woman who were great proclaimers of the gospel. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.